You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Let's take out our Bibles. If you don't have a Bible and you would like to follow along with us, there are some Bibles in the back by the sound booth, and you can pick one of those up. Um, and I would like for you to turn in the book of Proverbs to chapter 6, and I'm just going to work through about the first uh, 19 verses of chapter 6 in Proverbs uh, this morning. Uh, by way of introduction to this, let me say this, these, these first chapters that we've been in in Proverbs, actually the first nine chapters or so of Proverbs, they're really kind of this discourse on sort of extolling wisdom, you know, just just talking wisdom out, speaking wisdom out uh, to the reader. Um, And and it's really a a dynamic of praising uh, wisdom over folly, Uh, you know, valuing wisdom over uh, foolishness, if you will, and over uh, poor decision making and those kinds of things. It's, it's sort of saying, hey, we're going to celebrate counsel. We're going to celebrate good words and good advice uh, on behavior. Um, and, and that behavior is such that it reflects the wisdom that we have. So when someone sees our life and they see the choices that we're making and the decisions that are, that are going on in our life, their immediate response is, wow, wise person, all right? So, so we want to live in a way that we are appealing, all right? Now, the church is not appealing by way of uh, displaying ourselves. You know, we're not called to array ourselves with all kinds of ornaments and jewels. We're not called to be seductive in the way we dress and those kinds of things. We don't get attention by wrong motives or, or in ill ways. But we should be appealing. There should be something about us as believers that gets the attention of an unbeliever. There should be something about us that helps us to, to sort of catch the eye of and, and, and be intriguing to those who are not believers. And I think one of the greatest ways we can do that is to be wise. To have, to have this sense, if you will, of I, I actually understand things in life and I, I have... I have answers and I have solutions and I have strategies in life. And so as people see that about us, we become like magnets. People are drawn to us because they understand that they can learn from the wisdom that we have. And you say, well, that takes a lot of years to do that. Actually, it doesn't. It takes some time in the Word. But it doesn't necessarily take a lot of years. Revelation and understanding and knowledge helps as well as experience. Experience obviously adds more to, to the mix. But you can be wise even where you are by getting into God's Word and studying in particular some of the wisdom material. So I want to just, again, encourage you to stay in it. And by the way, thank you. So many of you have either... Uh, emailed me or, or stopped in and stuck your head in the door and said, hey, you won't believe this. When you announced that that you were going to start preaching from uh, the Proverbs, that's where I was coming to in, in my time in the Scriptures, and I was getting ready to start reading the Proverbs and stuff like that. Or you've come and, and some have come and just said, hey, that particular message out of Proverbs, that... I would have never thought that that would impact me the way that it did, but it was very powerful to me. So thanks for that, because that's very um, confirming that we're in a good place in the Proverbs, and I enjoy hearing uh, those testimonies. And if any of you have something that's coming from the Proverbs that God has given to you, share it with, with me and Pastor Dave. We would love to be able to share that with, with the congregation as well. Okay? Um, Throughout all, all of these, these exhortations that I'm giving you, and in particular today, um, as, as they are regarding wisdom, there's sort of this, this thing of warning, all right? There's, there's this, this sort of like flashing light sort of thing of, of this warning against foolish conduct. Uh, but then uh, it, it, there's, a, there's a, a, like a response to that or a strategy to that, um, and it is this, this sort of counsel, this sort of guide, if you will, uh, to, to help you to make the right kinds of decisions. And, and that's, that's where we're at today. And I'm going to talk about three things today. I'm going to talk about you being what is called surety, or you put yourself up for security in some way for someone else's decisions or needs or desires, that sort of thing. 
Um, a, a word we would use today in our vernacular would be that you would become a co-signer. You would be someone that would put your possessions or things that, that you own or yourself in some way up for uh, security for someone else to get something such as money or maybe a car or a home or, or those kinds of things. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about slothfulness or laziness today just a little bit and, and, um, and really be challenged by that. And we're going to talk about what it just looks like to just be an old scoundrel, you know, someone who just doesn't doesn't make good decisions and doesn't do well and, and has some, some kind of uh, bad things that, that are kind of evident in, in their life or in their lifestyle, all right? So with that, let me just take you at the beginning of uh, Proverbs chapter 6, uh, starting right at verse 1, and I just want to read the first 19 verses to you, and then we'll make reference back to them as we go through this for a little bit this morning, okay? My son... If you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity come, will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Let me pray for you. Father, we've heard your word read. Would you now let it sink into our hearts and give us understanding? Would you help us, Lord, that we would see these words from the Proverbs and other wisdom passages as, as being very needful for us? Would we, would we long, God, to, to take them and, and have them as food for our soul? Help us, God, that we would live in the parameters of your truth and, and understanding. Help us to be people that are wise and that we are making the necessary application and, and, and the kind of life changes and the choices that, that demonstrate that not only are we hearers, but we are doers. God, may we live lives that not only are pleasing to you, but are evident that we have faith and belief in the truth of your word. Help us, God, that we would be faithful people, that we would be people that are steady before you, and that we are therefore dependable, God, for the kingdom of God and capable of being used for your glory and for your honor. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, just for a few minutes this morning, let's start with this idea of warning, and let's look first at this concept of, of surety, our being security for someone else. Here's, here's the warning. This is the first five verses of chapter 6 here that we're looking at, and the warning tells us that we are not to become surety for a friend. Now, this, is, this can be 
difficult. This can be a difficult circumstance or situations, uh, situation for you. How many times has a friend asked you to do something like this for them or, or want to draw you into some kind of situation where it, it puts you in some sense in a type of jeopardy? If they do what they say they're going to do, and if they prove faithful and diligent in the process, you're going to be all right. But what they're saying is, I need you to stand with me in this, and if I don't come through, then the burden falls upon you. You're the one who will have to come in and take care of this and, and, and do this or pay this this bill or this mortgage or, or this contract or whatever the case may be, those kinds of things. We're talking about that in our context now uh, as, as believers today. These are some of the kinds of things that might happen. And they don't just happen as unbelievers try and, and negotiate with you, but it might be that you're doing this with a brother or you're doing this with a sister in Christ. And what these passages are saying here, that is, do not make yourself liable for someone else's debt. All right? Don't do that. Even though they are a good friend, even though they maybe are a close friend, maybe they are the closest friend, your best buddy, your, your, your best sister in the Lord, all right? And they're asking this of you. If you're going to respond and I, I understand that there are given circumstances where you may feel the liberty to do some things. But generally speaking, the, this is a warning to you to be careful. In other words, preserve the friendship. Don't risk the friendship by doing this kind of thing. And everything in you, and I'm going to really talk to those of you whose gifts are really high in the compassion and the mercy zone, all right? You really need to listen to this passage here, all right? There is a place for us to do good. There is a way for us to do good and benefit one another. But it is not for you to go into debt, if you will, or become liable for someone else's debt, especially someone else's personal desires for things in this world, all right? So I really want to challenge you here that you stay within the scriptures, all right, and that you live with one another, and you learn how to be able to say a good, healthy, loving no to someone, all right. By the way, that word no, it just, we've, all, we've all grown up with the connotation that that is a very negative word, you know, and, and we, we, we hear that from our kids when they get about two, they learn no really well. No, 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 you know. And so it even sounds, it just sounds ugly. It just sounds negative. I, I, I want to encourage you as adults living together and functioning in the body of Christ. No is one of the most anointed words that you can learn to use. It frees you and it frees others. All right? And we need to, we, we need to learn to be more than just yes people. That is not what God, God has not called you to be a yes person. God has called you to be a holy person. And sometimes holy means speaking honestly and forthrightly with those around you in the body of Christ. And God is not asking you to libel yourself so that someone else can enjoy the pleasures of the world. Right? If you do, or you have done this, or you're in this, then let me encourage you from the Scriptures, get out as quickly as you can. Go to that person, renegotiate, do what you have to do to get out of that kind of situation with a person. If necessary, the scriptures are saying here, go and that word hasten is sometimes in some translations uh, uh, humble. Humble yourself. Hasten yourself. Humble yourself. Go and, and plead on, on your own behalf with that other person to get out of that particular kind of relationship that you've gotten yourself into. This warning is actually repeated. It's not just a, a one-time little thing here and we just go, oh, well, I should probably pay attention to that from time to time and, and be careful when I'm doing this sort of thing. But look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 15. Whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer harm. But he who hates striking hands in pledge is secure. In other words, your attitude towards this thing, uh, pledging yourself in such a way with someone else, is actually to be looked at as, as 
uh, something you, you don't even like, you don't even want, you abhor this thing even, all right? So this is not a place for you to find yourself. Let's go a little bit further to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 18. One who lacks sense. In other words, one who doesn't have good sense about them gives a pledge and puts up security in the presence of his neighbor. Right? The Bible is being very clear here. All right, Now, that's the warning. Don't do this. Don't get into this. If you have gotten into this, get out of this. All right? So that's the warning. Now, now let's talk about the reason just a little bit, all right? It, it, it may seem to us as Christians, especially those who are very compassionate and filled with, with mercy and kindness, it may seem like kindness on your part to co-sign a loan with a friend. But there are reasons it may not be, all right? And you need to have understanding. You, you don't go into these kinds of things lightly. You don't go into these kinds of things without some investigation and some understanding. And even then, the Bible is warning you, just don't do it. Even if it sounds good, even if all of it seems to fit, uh, you might be helping someone to buy something that it is not God's will for them to have. You might be encouraging someone to to be loose with their spending and unwise with their choices. You may even be allowing someone in some sense of their life to be gambling with their resources in order uh, to, 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 to use other monies. They come to you then because they've, they've sort of wasted their own and so they're looking to you to sort of get them out of trouble. And a lot of times the, me the mentality here, and I'm trying to just talk to you wisely this morning and help you to understand, because sometimes the mentality is that I just need one more chance. I just need one more opportunity. When there have been many other opportunities where there have been poor decision-making and poor choices and lack of teachability. All right. If, if you want to help someone and they're willing to align with you so that you can bring teaching and understanding or you can help them get educated in some way or you can help them get help for the, whatever they're struggling with, whatever bondage that they are in, then that's a different kind of context. But if someone is just coming to you and they're not giving you a lot of information and they're saying, well, you're a Christian, you need to help me, or we're brothers in Christ, we help one another, and they want you to libel yourself in some way and commit yourself so that, that you are jeopardizing your own resources that God has entrusted to you to be a good steward with in the kingdom of God, the Bible says, no, don't do that. All right? And so you need to think through what might be going on. Because if, if he or she defaults and you have to pay for something that's not your own, uh, number one, the friendship will end. It'll be over. Number two, uh, for either one or the other, you, you're opening your heart to bitterness and resentment and things like that. And so it's not a, it's not a good setup. All right? It's not a good place for you to start uh, in a relationship with someone, and it's certainly a horrible place for you to end a long-standing re relationship that you've been in, all right? So I just want to encourage you in this, all right? So it may be better if you just simply give, <laughs> all right? If you have resources, why don't you go to God and say, okay, God, what is my role here? Obviously, your role is not to join in in, a, in in liability with this person. The scriptures tell you not to. So what, what is our role then? Let, let's just look for a moment at Matthew chapter 5, verse 42. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. This is what I would say to you. As your pastor, I would say to you, if at all possible, and you have the resources, and you feel compelled of God to help, just give. Just give. All right? Now, just giving doesn't mean that you don't have the right to investigate and understand why this person is asking you to help them and what are the particulars behind them needing this help. You still do not, by giving, want to enable something to continue on in someone's life if there are problems or bondages or, or other poor choices that are going on. All right? But if someone is asking something of you, 
just give it. Now, here's this has been my experience, and, and it's been this way across the board. If I loan money in particular, but if I loan other things to people, excuse the expression, but it seems to come back and bite me in the behind. And oftentimes, when someone receives benefit from you in a loan, you loan them money, and they default on that and cannot pay you, there's something that begins to happen. Communication drops dramatically, almost immediately. And, and, and here, here's one of the, the things that goes off in our heads as Christians. Oh, they need some help. If I help them, that's going to open their heart to God. Not necessarily. You need to know that God is directing that and that is God's motive here is to open their heart and He's going to use you and your resources to do that because oftentimes, and my wife have, and I have found this out in the early years of our ministry is loaning someone money oftentimes did not bring them deeper into a relationship with God or more involved in the church. They ended up leaving the church and, and cutting off all relationship with us because they could not pay the debt as they saw it, and through either embarrassment or whatever, left. And oftentimes, their lot in life became worse rather than better as a result of our trying to help them in a way in which we had not first consulted God, but thought in our human thinking, it just seems sensible, it seems kind, it seems good to do so. I'm trying to help you here this morning in how you deal with others, especially unbelievers uh, around you, okay? Uh, so if, if you feel that God is saying, I should loan this person this money, and they're, and, and please understand, some people have a, a high level of dignity, and they don't want to take a handout, and they have every intent of repaying, and that's a very good thing. But you need to be wise and discerning and hearing from God in this, right? Um, but if at all possible, if you have the resources to help, just give. Just give, because then there's no strings attached. There's nothing there. They, they can just receive, and you both can go on and, 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 and serve God and, and love God and love each other and be faithful. And it's a joyous experience to help one another. All right? But if God speaks to you and you feel it appropriate to loan someone money, I would suggest this to you, that you take that even though they see it as a loan and you qualify that loan. All right, I will give you a loan. I will be happy for you to pay it back, but I want you to understand something. If it, it, if it happens such that you become unable to pay this loan back, then I want you to promise me that you will then see it as a gift and you will not feel obligated to me so that there is nothing between you and me and I don't make you a slave and you don't feel like one. Don't want you to be enslaved to anything. If you feel you can pay it back, great. And I will, I will receive that payment when it comes. Right? So you're, you're at least creating a doorway that is appropriate so that person can uh, continue to be in relationship with you. The best situation, folks, is just don't loan money. All right? Give. All right, when you give, God gives back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Be generous. If you've been prospered, be generous in your spirit. All right, be a prosperous person and give and help in every way that you can. All right, okay, now if you're giving and you say, Pastor, I understand, I want to give, but you are dealing with issues yourself and uh, there, are, there are motives in your own heart that are not pure, uh, don't give yet. Get it worked out with God. Don't give if you're a selfish person. Don't give if you're a manipulator or a controller because you'll put strings on your giving. And what you gave, if there's an expectation for something to come back in some way or some manner, it really isn't a gift. When you give a gift, you leave it there. And you never go back and try to pick it back up again. You never try to cash in on it, all right? It's not a deposit. Okay, it's a gift, all right? So, the, the wisdom here is... Don't go into these things with people, all right? Don't create a dynamic for someone to feel that you've enslaved them in some way, all right? So from, from being 
too eager to help, all right, all right we're, we're not going to turn to being uh, too eager to sleep, all right? We're going to consider the second warning here. Look down at verse 6, and uh, 6 through 11 there is, is the passage that we're talking about. And it's this, this analogy of the ant, if you will, all right? Um, and, and there's a lesson to be learned here, all right? So here's the, here's the warning out of this particular passage on the ant, all right? And that is this, that if you are a sluggard, you are a person who prefers a life of laziness, all right? You, you, you prefer uh, not preparing, not giving, in, giving to preparation, not not working, not doing what is necessary to make provision for yourself, all right? Now, here's the the unique relationship of warning one and warning two. Oftentimes, the people who will come to you and ask you to to become liable with them or co-sign with them or, or something like that are oftentimes people who have not prepared. They've not done due diligence and worked and done what they needed to do. This is why you need to uh, investigate and see what is what is behind this this request that comes to you. All right, but there are people in this earth that are sluggards. All right, um, I hope you're not one, but if you are one, I hope you can identify it and that you can correct that. All right, because it is God's intent that we be diligent and that we work and that we prepare ourselves. All right, and so the warning here is to learn the wisdom of the lowly ant. All right. Learn from this little insect. Observe her diligence. Observe and and see that she is doing what she is doing without the need of an overseer or a guardian or a parent or someone to to help her, uh, motivate her, get her to get up and get going and get doing what what, uh, young people, old people... If you still need mama to call you in the morning and get you out of bed to go to work, grow up. There are loud alarm clocks being made today in this day and age, and you need to figure out strategies to help you, all right? And, and this, this is no joke. Now, I've had people who have, who have come into this church and who have said to me, um, well, my job is in jeopardy. All right. These are people mid twenties to thirties. More than once, my job is in jeopardy. Really, what's what's going on? Well, I, I missed a day of work this week. Were you sick? Well, not really. I just felt like I needed a a, a health day. Is that provided in in your benefits? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Well, what did you do? For your health. Well, a new game came out, and, and I, I had to wait in line all night to get it, and so I was really just exhausted, plus I wanted to play it, so I, I just spent the day laying in bed and playing the game. Danger! <laughs> Warning! You can't do that kind of stuff, folks. That's... God is calling us, again, to maturity. All right? God is calling us to be diligent. And He's saying here, look, learn from the lowly ant. Learn here that there are things that that you need to be doing. You need to be uh, uh, diligent. All right? And you need not to have to have someone over you all the time to do that. You need to be able to take the personal, personal initiative to do this. All right? This ant she provides in the summer she gathers in the harvest in other words what she does in the fall allows her to be able to do what she needs to do in the following summer so it it lasts all the way all the way through let's look at proverbs chapter 30 verse 25 the ants are a people not strong yet they provide their food in the summer. All right? Even though it's a weak little insect, it has this ability, this innate ability to, to work hard and to be diligent so that even in the summertime, it has food available. All right? Now, 
here's what I want you to understand. There is an emphasis, I believe, in the scriptures on being diligent to one's work. Not only is there an emphasis to be diligent to one's work, I believe there's an emphasis to be diligent to God's work. I believe that we're called to redeem the time. All right? And I believe that God wants to use you. I believe that every person sitting in this room, God has a plan for you. He has intentions for you. His intentions for you are good. His plans for you are good. Uh, Just because God has a plan doesn't mean you don't plan. We've already talked about that from the Proverbs. God wants you planning. God wants you thinking. God wants you looking forward. He wants you to count the cost in what you are doing. And He wants you to be able to be ready when He says, this one's yours. And He wants to know that you can say, great, Father, I got it. I got it. In other words, I'm prepared. I'm ready. All right? He, he wants you there in that place of being ready, being able that you can be used. All right? So that's the warning against being lazy, against being slothful. Now, here's, here's the reasoning for that. All right? Laziness is the parent of poverty. All right? If you, if you live a lazy life, both in the natural and in the kingdom, you are going to come to poverty. In the natural, it's a natural poverty. In the kingdom, it's a spiritual poverty. All right? We can, we can offer opportunity for you to grow in discipleship. We can give you every opportunity um, to, 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 to in, in improve yourself, increase your knowledge and your understanding, give you opportunities to do things like outreaches and that sort of thing. But if you've not prepared yourself, you will find yourself in a deficit when opportunity comes your way. You won't be ready to do what God is wanting to use you to do. This, this whole thing is taught in more than one place, all right? So what I want you to see here is I, as I reemphasize these things from other passages in Proverbs and outside of Proverbs is that these, these themes repeat themselves, if you will, through Scripture, meaning they're very important, all right? They, they have great value to them, all right? So um, you need to be ready. You need to be able. Look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. A slack hand, or a lazy hand, causes poverty. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. All right? And you can look at that in a lot of ways. We're not just talking about monetary things here. All right? You can be rich in the Lord because you've been diligent in studying the Scriptures and taking time out to pray and meditate and, and, and commune with God. And you've taken the time to set yourself under other people who can help you and, and teach you and, and guide you, if you will. All right? Let's go a little further in Proverbs to 13.4. It's interesting, all these, I'm going to give you three here, and they're all three verse 4 of particular passages. Okay, so Proverbs 10.4. Now we're going to go to Proverbs 13.4. It says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. I I want you rich in God. I want you rich in whatever ways you can be. I think that there there are opportunities for you to give in the kingdom and and to share what you, you have and what you've learned and gained with others. And I want you to be positioned to do that when God calls. So when we get ready to do the outreach in August, some of you, I want you to be so full, you know, so, so rich in God that you're just overflowing out there. And it's just a joy to give something. All right. It's a joy to to give out in that case. All right. A little bit further. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse four. All right. So we did 10, 4, 13, 4, now 24. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. How sad. What, a, what an awful commentary, if you will, for an individual. That, that in due season did nothing, but is seeking in the time of harvest, but getting nothing because they have done nothing. All right? Folks, when you're lazy in the world and you're lazy in the kingdom, you only steal from yourself. 
You're, you're just robbing yourself. You're just creating a, a, a self-imposed deficit in your life. And, and I'll tell you a sad thing, all right? A sad thing is when you have had a sufficient amount of time to prepare yourself spiritually and then you come to a place where you intersect someone and you know in your heart that God would have used you to make a difference in that person's life and you're ill-equipped or ill-prepared to do so or you're in some sort of deficit that you cannot do that. How many times have, have we as the body of Christ found ourselves in a place where we spent money unwisely only to shortly thereafter have someone tell us of an opportunity to give in the kingdom of God and we did not have the resources to do that and our first thought goes back to that ill-made decision that took resources from us. So let's, let's set our lives in such an order that we are prepared. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, the first part of verse 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. All right, do it with your might. In other words, be diligent. Give it all you got. Give it your best, all right? If you're on the job, give it your best. Why? Because it will benefit you and it will give glory to God. You'll be a great witness of your diligence and your faithfulness and your dependability in, in, in the earth, all right? And if it's in, in spiritual things, give your best so that God can reward you out of your diligence and we can be effective in the kingdom, all right? There's an interesting passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It's talking about apostles, and so this is sort of the, the uh, description of apostles. I'm just going to read a, a little bit of it. Uh, so I'll start at verse 9. He says, For I think that God has exhibited, you know, that He's put on display us apostles as last of all. Isn't that Interesting when you hear talk about apostles today and especially this, this sort of dynamic that goes on of modern day apostles. There's sort of this, this sense of elitism and specialness and special seats of honor and special places and, and uh, above certain types of jobs or, or work or that sort of thing. So he says, we've been put on display, we apostles, as last of all, like men sentenced to death. Because we have become a spectacle to the world, to the angels, and to men. He goes on to say, we are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. He says in verse 11, to the present hour we hunger and we thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And then look at verse 12. This is part of the identity of the apostles of the day. We labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. I want you to see a, a wonderful dynamic here because I think it's important. In, in We who are spiritual leaders in the body of Christ, and I think all of you have places where you can be a leader and you can have spheres of influence, all right? But what I want you to understand is, is that in the kingdom of God, there are no cushy positions, all right? What I mean by that is, is, is really the, the higher you go in terms of some position in the body of Christ, and heaven forbid that that's the first way we approach it, but if that happens, then greater is the responsibility to whom much is given, much is required. And the higher you go, the lower you sink, folks. All right? So that even if you are living and operating in some position in the church, you are not without the responsibility of giving due diligence to whatever God calls you to set your hand to. Whether that's operating in that position or any other thing. This is why so often, and I love and appreciate all of you so much, you honor Pastor Dave and I greatly. And that brings me to tears sometimes. Just, just your care and your love for us. It's tremendous, all right? And we so greatly appreciate that. And we both, we, we smile internally and we're very thrilled when oftentimes many of you will say, oh, pastor, let me get that. Let me do that. 
But we like to be right there with you, shoulder to shoulder. We're out there on outreach day with you. We're, we're walking the streets with you. We're praying and travailing with you. We're doing what needs to be done with you, shoulder to shoulder. I've taught this to David when I mentored him and brought him on board and others and other young men and women that I have mentored. I've always taught this. Don't you ask anybody to do something you're not willing to do yourself. And not only speak that, but example that in the life of the church. And I hope that I've never asked anyone in this church to do something that I would not first be willing to do myself. And in most cases, have done it myself. I remember asking someone or someone offered to clean the, the church. And, and that would involve cleaning the toilets. And, and this is not puffing. I'm not saying this to puff me up. I just want you to understand what, what needs to be our attitude here. Uh, I... I thought, wow, look at that. Someone's going to go and clean the toilets of this church and just do that and just, just be willing to do that. I really appreciate that, you know. Uh, and I thought I, I would not want to clean the toilets. It's not something I would want to do. And I'm sitting at my desk thinking about that. I wouldn't want to do that. And it's like I heard this little voice that said, well, you never have. So I got up out of my chair got what I needed to do and I went in the bathroom and I cleaned the toilets. It wasn't even an issue of whether they needed it or not. I don't know. It was an issue of is my heart willing to do this? I just I just agreed for someone else to do it. And it was like, okay, I just got prompted and I think that that was the Holy Spirit. And I just need to check myself here, you know? And from time to time, I think we all need it. We need to check sometimes. We, we all need to understand that we are called to give due diligence and we need to be willing to do the lowly of the lowly. lowly. We need to do the lowest job in, on, on the, on the, on, in, in the system, so to speak, all right, as God's people. So I really want to encourage you. Let's, let's come up here in this area. Let's be diligent, all right? Young Timothy was told uh, to be ready in season and out of season, all right? And I want you ready. I want your heart ready. I want you to be a person filled with, with humility and love and compassion and mercy and these things that will allow you to give yourself and Christ to everyone. All right? So that you are living that way. All right? So we have this whole thing of, of, of our personal conduct, you know, for ourselves um, and, and, and that we have a responsibility in that uh, to others, all right? Okay, next we find a warning regarding scoundrels. We'll close with this one this morning, all right? This, this is a warning about the tactics of, of the wicked, you know, and they're described here, all right? It's, it's sort of especially like con artists or, or, or people who, who live in a way to get gain uh, in, in, you know, wrong kinds of ways. They walk with a perverse mouth. They, uh, they wink with their eyes. They shuffle their, their feet. They point with their fingers, all right? And, and that, that whole idea there is like winking and giving signals to deceive others or to, to be in, in, in a cohorting kind of way with, with someone else, to, to take someone in, a, in a, a disadvantaged sort of way, all right? Um, some of the translations actually say the, the sliding of the foot. It's almost like, it's like, let me give you an example. Let's say that someone wrote down a direction for someone so that they could go, and they wrote it in the sand, all right? So they write this direction in the sand for someone to go and, and be able to get something, receive something, receive a blessing in some way into their lives. And the scoundrel doesn't want anybody else to follow that way and get the direction. So they're talking to someone, and someone says, do you know the way? Do, do you know how to go and get the blessing? And the scoundrel goes, no, I really don't. I'm sorry. What an evil thing to do. So it's, the, it's that sort of thing that they're talking about going on. So there's this perversity in the heart that devises evil continually, all right? Plotting mischief, all right? Sowing discord, all right? And, and, and I love the analogy here, the word picture here, all this body language stuff that's going on here because it's, it's a way of using the human body uh, in deceptive practices. Um, and, and you say, well, why are you talking to us about that, Pastor? We're the church. Yep, and the church is guilty of doing some of this kind of stuff. We do this in the church, and sometimes we, 
we sort of put cloaks over it, you know, we, we kind of cover it in some kind of, of uh, uh, false righteousness or false goodness, if you will, um, especially things like sowing discord. How many times have you said something about someone else that really wasn't necessary? How many of you have done that in a prayer meeting? Lord, help us. Well, you know, I don't mean to gossip, but we need to pray for this person because, and then there's this whole like, display of stuff that doesn't need to be said about this person. Folks, if someone needs prayer, just pray for them. The Holy Spirit will help you to know what to say and how to pray. You don't need to give details. I love this church because that is not something that happens here a lot. Okay? It's really, really wonderful. We had, we had a situation where, where one of the elder couples came to me and, 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 and they didn't know about something and it had happened a long time before and, uh, and I, I had to share it with them because of the issue we were dealing with and, and they said to me, uh, I, I love this church because I had no idea that this person was struggling in this way. You know, this was something that had happened prior, months, months, months back prior, and, and, and we're having to deal with it uh, at, this point, at this juncture. And it was, just, it, was a, it was a beautiful moment because it's like, you know what? We have been able to create a safe environment. Not a perfect environment, but a safe environment. And so it's, it's really, really wonderful that all of you are striving to, to be a body together in, in, in doing this, all right? But, but let us just... Let us look at it and, and heed it. Heed the warning here to make sure that, that our hearts are right, all right? And that, that, they're, that we're using our bodies appropriately, all right, in what we do. And we're, remember on, on, when I talked about adultery, I talked about some of that, how that body language stuff can get in there and, and, and mess things up. Um, let, let, me, let me give you, here's what I love about the Proverbs. It, it always warns you, you know. Or it exposes something, then it gives you a, a wonderful right, you know, a wonderful way to go. And so this warning about scandals is talking about um, th- this, this perverse mouth, these eyes, these feet that shuffle and wink and, and fingers that point and a heart that deceives and, 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 and devises evil and, and, and all this perverted stuff, okay? Let me take you to, back to Proverbs chapter 4. Just listen to this passage uh, verse starting at verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Let them be in your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. In other words, don't slide in deception, but just turn and walk away from it. See, see the use of some of the same body language going on here, the same parts of the body, but notice how they're being used for good, and they're being used to keep you safe, and to keep you disciplined, and to keep you in line, as opposed to disregarding all of that, and just living this, this precarious life uh, that has no boundaries, and has, has no, no sense to it, okay? So, that kind of person, the Bible says that calamity and destruction will come upon them. And the idea here is that it'll come quickly. Now, that doesn't mean that as soon as they do something like this, that they're going to be judged and, and something bad is going to happen to them. You and I both have seen people through the, through the years where they have continued in their deception or their, their evil or their sin or whatever. But what it's saying is there is a tipping point for everyone. There's a tipping point. And someday they're going to come to calamity. And when they do, there's not going to be the ability to turn it around. That ship has just gotten too big. And it can't just be turned around. And so when, when calamity and destruction hit, it's sudden. There's no hope. All right? It's not like someone who comes and says, hey, I got a few problems. 
and I, I, need, I need to start trying to get through this and, and, and be delivered or get some help or learn or change my lifestyle. And, 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 and there's, a, there's an ongoing battle or struggle for a while until they find victory. No, this is a situation where they have continued and continued and continued and continued in this until it is at that tipping point and when it tips, it is absolute, utter destruction. This is a warning, folks. I want to say this to you. Don't continue in your sin, okay? Please don't continue in stuff that you are struggling with when you have people around you who can help you, who can work with you and pray for you and, and, and help you try to move beyond this kind of stuff. All right, I love it when someone comes in my office and says, hey, I have a horrible struggle, and they're willing to name it and own it and ask for help to get out of it. I don't love the struggle. I don't love what they confess, but I love them for their boldness and their courage to come and trust me that, hey, this is something I need help with, and I am, I am diligent to try to find the help that that person needs, all right? So, and, and, and we would do that for all of you as well if you find yourself in that sort of situation. So we do not want conduct, all right? Here's, here, here's our reasoning behind this warning. The Lord, number one, hates that kind of behavior. He absolutely hates it. It's an abomination to him. That proud look is just arrogance. That lying tongue is just dishonesty. Those hands that shed innocent blood, that's absolutely nothing short of murder. A heart that devises wicked plans, that's, that's nothing but contemplating evil. Feet that are swift to run to evil, that's just someone who's just quick. It's, it's just their first response. They're, as a first responder, they are responding to evil, all right? A false witness is just someone who's lying and they're doing it in public even, okay? Um, and one who sows discord, uh, well, no, that's ranked right up there with lying and with murder. Sowing seeds of discord, talking and creating division within uh, the family of God or, or others in your, your natural family or wherever. This kind of conduct, folks, it destroys relationships with others, but it also is abominable because it destroys your relationship with God as well. And so we need to, we need to determine in our hearts, as, the, as, as, as we live, we are going to serve God and be faithful to Him. So true wisdom here in the Proverbs is seen in, in a very practical and twofold kind of way, I think, here. And that is that it is guiding uh, us in our own behavior, but it's also helping us to understand how to guard ourselves against the unhealthy or dangerous behavior of others as well. And so you have to learn how to navigate in here, all right? So we are being warned against setting ourselves up as security with someone else, in or out of the body of Christ, all right? We're, we're being warned against being lazy. And we're being warned against, first of all, becoming a scoundrel ourselves. But more so, to be prepared to understand and identify a scoundrel that the enemy would use to come against you. We need to heed the words of wisdom. Wisdom is never worthless, folks. It just becomes of no value when we refuse it or refuse to apply it to our lives. All right? Wendell, will you come and would you share the gospel with us this morning, please?